When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, I am talking with Camille and Kim of the podcast Enneagram for the Culture, two therapists in North Carolina who love discussing how the Enneagram, therapy, and race all intersect. Camille and Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, So as you know, we start every episode with Rosebud and Thorn. What are y'all's today? Who's going first? Camille, you go first. All right. My rose for today is the podcast. It's just been really fun lately. And um, it's just been a good part of my life. Um, So it's been fun to do it with Kim. It's been fun that the episodes have been coming out. It's been fun um, hearing back from folks. It's just been, it's just been a rose. Um, My bud is still related. Um, What I'm looking forward to is Kim and I are A, going to dinner tonight, and then B, we are going to D.C. to like get away and get ready for season two and celebrate season one. And we're going to go to the African-American Museum, which I love. Um, And I'm really excited for that. And my thorn is here in North Carolina, these allergies are about to take me mm-hmm. out. Um, they are coming for my life. Mm-hmm. 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 I am mm-hmm. like, I cannot tell you the regimen that I am on of allergy medicine. I had to go back to Walgreens to buy more. And I was worried that they were going to flag me um, because I was just <laughs> there yesterday. And I was like, too much, too much. What's, the, what's the limit? Because I'm back and I need the stuff behind the counter again. So um, I promise I'm not making meth. I just am dying, dying of the yellow stuff that is floating in the air right now. I swear every time I've said to someone, I promise I'm not making meth. It just, just does not sink in. Like they don't believe me. <laughs> Well, then it was even worse because yesterday they gave me my ID back, but I put through the ID in my bag. And so when I was trying to buy it, I didn't have my ID and I'm like fiddling with my ID. And they're probably like, this girl Mm. is definitely, definitely (laughs) making that. And I had to go back outside to get the the card. And I was like, I found it. And she's like, okay. (laughs) Oh, that we're going to, that's funny. Good. Okay. Um, those were really good. My rose it would be that I am in Durham. So I live in Charlotte, but I grew up in Durham. And so I'm in Durham for the week, hanging out with my parents. Um, and it's just always good to be home. It's so nice to be able to 
um, to come home and kind of feel a sense of getting grounded and connected and kind of resetting. So um, that's a rose. And just overall, you know, being able to have the flexibility to do that. Um, so I'm still working and still seeing clients and pre-COVID, um, that wouldn't be possible, right? I wouldn't be able to be here still seeing clients, um, getting what I need. Um, I'd have to take time off and not see them. So, um, so that's my rose. Uh, Bud would be, so because I am in Durham, I'm really close to Raleigh, which is where Camille is. And like she mentioned, we're going to hang out later tonight. And so I'm really, um, really just looking forward to being in the same space with her. Um, like she mentioned the podcast, it's been a lot of fun, um, and meaningful, um, to me for us to, um, come together and produce this work. And so, uh, I'm looking forward to just being with her and having dinner tonight. And then the thorn would be, I'm a UNC Chapel Hill alum. And so there was a very, very, very big game last night. And it was also very close. Um, and I happen to be a pretty competitive person. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that stinks. It's a tough mm -hmm. loss. Um, mm -hmm. and they were up at the half, like way up. So I'm, I'm, I'm working through that. That would be my thorn. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you, Sarah Jane. I appreciate that. Um, I, so I live in North Carolina too. I don't know if y'all know that. Um, but people in my neighborhood, like painted their houses blue for this game. Like, and we're in the mountains. We're not even down there. They get it. People, people are like who aren't in the Carolinas. They, when it comes to like Duke and Carolina, they get it. They get the rivalry, but, um, there's just nothing like it. Um, and yeah, especially being in this part of the state, it's very, um, we take it seriously. Mm -hmm. We do now. I would, I don't know if I would pay my house. <laughs> I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would go that far, Yeah, but I respect it. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> I do. I respect it. The sincerity too, in that statement. <laughs> I, respect, I really do. I respect, respect. respect. <laughs> so I want to know how you found the Enneagram and then how you found each other. How did you both meet? And then oh. how did you meet the Enneagram? Yeah. Um, Camille and I worked together. We used to way, 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 way back in the day, Camille, way back Camille. Um, we were working, we met, met at um, community-based agency. So um, we're both clinicians and we started off um, what we very affectionately refer to as the trenches. Um, so community-based work, um, meeting with clients and their families in their homes or in their communities. And um, it was an environment where we were minorities um, in the work, workspace. And so Camille and I connected and we've remained friends. And she is actually how I know about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. um, years ago, probably like, what do we say? Is it like six years at this point? The pandemic longer all the math up. Um, I know that's what I thought we'd ask you. It's maybe six years for for between six and six and four. Mm -hmm. Um, she brought it to me and she said, Hey, you should check this out. I'm sure you would love to use it with your clients, and you probably like it personally as well. And I trust Camille, and so I checked mm -hmm. it out and I was like, This is cool. And so I took a test and read about my type. <laughs> 
It was like, this is not cool. Put it down. <laughs> and I did not mess with the Enneagram again for a whole year. Yeah. Because uh, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So a year later, I was like, okay, um, there's some stuff that I really do want to pay attention to. And so I picked it back up and have not put it down since. Mm. I legit remember um, when you texted me a year later, because um, I think <laughs> I sent it to you right? and you like test and you, you did it, but then, yeah, I didn't hear about it. And I was actually, um, I remember exactly where I was. I was with one of my good friends, who's also a three, who knows you. And um, I got this text message and you were like, all right, I'm back in. I'm a, you know, I'm a three, just took me a minute. And no, my friend was like, oof, I, kn- I know, I know, it's rough, it's rough. <laughs> Yeah, it was rough. It can be that Mm -hmm. initial. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I wanted to tell the Enneagram, like, leave me alone. Like, (laughs) why are you watching? Why do you love me so much? You're like paying this close of attention to me. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I felt, it didn't feel like love. I felt like, how dare you? Like, like you know, kind of, (laughs) so, um, but yeah, so that's how that's how I landed on the Enneagram and, and did use it with clients, um, really started to be intentional about how I integrated it into my practice. Love just like um, gushing with Camille over that. And at some point we were like, these could be really like, these are fun conversations we're having and we need to share them with the world. So let's do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, there was more to it than that, but that was what kind of sparked it. And so, yeah. Yeah. Camille, how did you find the Enneagram? My friends got a hold of it and they, um, you know, fell down the Enneagram rabbit hole. Um, and so it started taking over all of our conversations. And um, I think a little bit, I don't know, Sarah Jane, you can, what you think, but um, I find that A, sevens are usually pretty easy to spot. Um, and B, we kind of like finding out our number. Um, let's be real. <laughs> so they, A, were like, you're a seven. Um, and at first I was like, mm, don't do that to me. But then I like read it and I was like, oh yeah, that's me. It sounds great. I love it. I'm in. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to be this? this is the best um, <laughs> and so, um, so then, and then the next thing that I did, um, was go down the crazy rabbit hole, um, and, um, uh, just learned a bunch about it, got super hype about it, told all my friends about it, um, and then told Kim about it. Um, and then that's what brought our stories together on the Enneagram and then off we went. Yeah. So you kind of, this was just infiltrating your personal lives and you're like, we should be taking these conversations out to the world. And, and so you started recording them for the podcast, which how has that journey been? Like how, how, how did you decide on what you wanted to discuss? And then how's it been putting yourselves out there like that? Yeah. So a few steps back, um, in between all oh, these are great conversations and we should create a podcast and put it out there. Um, so being a three, I like was like, this is great. It's going to make me a more effective, productive therapist. And I'm going to help my clients like kill all of their therapy goals. So mm-hmm. I really want to feel like I get this tool and I know how to use it. So I just, my own rabbit hole was getting certified, learning lots and lots and lots about the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So I'm just in the process of, for both of us, um, going to some trainings, being in spaces in the um, Enneagram like community we were typically the only people of color there. Mm -hmm. And so 
I think that that had a lot to do with what kind of motivated us and inspired us to create this specific podcast at this time um, was because we we saw and felt the need for there to be more conversations surrounding um, race and specifically for us, you know, blackness. Um, there were a lot of trainings and information that was being shared and it just felt like there were pieces that were missing because it didn't, they weren't inclusive of our experience. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of what motivated us to do this, what inspired us to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also really felt motivated by, um, just the, just the idea of representation and that, um, you know, we, both of us actually are very comfortable in, in all white spaces just because of our history. And so we were, we were fine with that. Well, not fine with it, but anyway, and, but noticing that for other people, that's not, that's going to actually turn people away. Um, and so when we're talking about it with clients or when we're talking about it with other, you know, our friends, um, and they're like, Oh, is that that? I mean, I know a lot of white people look at that, but like, is that for us? Um, and so really wanting to change that up a little bit and be like, yeah, you're right. It does look like all the Enneagram experts and teachers and books and, workshops are led by white people. Um, and so it does Instagram accounts. And so it does feel like there's not space for black people to enter this conversation. And so also feeling motivated by that to really create, um, a space that people could access, um, this tool in a way that felt comfortable to them. And also like what Kim's saying spoke, um, spoke to their experience, spoke to our experience, um, in a, in a different way. So, um, that was, that's why we wanted to do it. Yeah. I, I'm curious, like, I mean, I think it makes sense when we think about two childhood wounding is such a big part of the Enneagram. And it makes sense that like our cultures and the way that we were raised, like it's going to impact that as well as like me speaking about it is just going to be a completely different experience than a black woman speaking about it. Um, does that feel true or am I making that up? <laughs> no, that definitely feels true. That definitely feels true. Um, and I think that that's a part of, um, so this, so many people are just uncomfortable with having some of these conversations. Um, and I think that that's a big part of the conversation that makes uh, the space feel somewhat safe to have the conversation is one's capacity to just kind of acknowledge that, right? Mm-hmm. You being a white woman, um, having a very different experience from us as black women. Um, and in most cases that includes privilege. Um, and so just being able to name that and own that and be aware of that, um, is important in my opinion, in my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then just the way that certain cultural messages within our culture and then cultural messages in the um, dominant culture and how that affects us differently. Um, and the way that that kind of seeps into ourselves and our identity and how we navigate the world and how we have to navigate the world. Mm -hmm. Um, a, how to, how we have to navigate it out of a place of E, this is not, this is not fun, but then the ways that we navigate the world in ways that are really redemptive and beautiful. Um, and so being able to speak to our personality types, but then how the cultural messages weave into that, um, whether in a negative way or in a positive way. Um, so that was, that's very true. Yeah. It, it definitely is a difference. Yeah. Well, um, you know, a teacher that I really love is Chichi Agoram. And she talks about how like, yeah, sometimes it's not safe to put your armor down and how like, as a white woman in the world, it's pretty safe for me to walk around without armor. And like, um, 
that my armor also, when I put it up unnecessarily prevents other people from being able to put theirs down. That part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We love some teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, yeah. we had the privilege of um, having her on our podcast and um, it was such an amazing conversation. I feel like it's yeah. still been like simmering in my brain. Yes, um, absolutely. And so it was such a powerful conversation that she just, you know, it's so wonderful when you meet people, just everyone has their certain gifts and, and the Enneagram speaks to that. But um, when you meet people that have a gift that like impacts your life, that she could put words to things that me and Kim have been talking about, but she could put, she could say it so much more eloquently and so much more succinct um, and so much more uh, impactful um, because that's, that's how her mind works. Right. And I, um, I love that conversation and just getting to witness that, um, that gift of, of being able to name stuff and to, and to say it in a way that just makes complete sense of exactly that of um, yeah, sometimes it is, um, it's not in our best interest, right. To, to let down our, our armor. Um, or then the opposite, something that we talk about on the podcast is that the way that my personality type might show up might actually be harming, right. That like, um, if I'm a certain number and I'm, I'm coming in really hot, that that might be really dangerous. Um, or it might kind of end up biting me in the butt. So then I have to sort of damp that down and the extra work that has to happen for black people sometimes to kind of make sure that they're safe or that they succeed in work or um, in navigating relationships or whatever. I think um, to that, and this is something that I love about um, cheap, like what, how, what Chi Chi is um, teaching for us. And this, I think helps me a lot, kind of going back to the, oof, when I, realize that I was a three, um, is that some of those ways Camille is referring to, even if they're not, um, the most helpful, they have, they have served us because they've gotten us to this point. And so, um, being able to recognize that and then, and kind of, um, have some gratitude and appreciation for, um, the ways we've managed to persevere and, and, and make it, um, and then realizing that, you know, moving forward, we have an option, you know, we can continue to kind of pick that armor up and um, have some of those same experiences or we can choose to shift and like she refers to create some distance um, between who we really are and our armor um, and not over identify with it. Uh, but yeah, I think that that part, you know, it's so important for us to remember or as we're for many of us venturing on this journey um, to take with us that the way we've been showing up um, you know, however, however you're going to maybe label it or, um, judge it, um, it's worked, it's gotten us here. Um, and so to be able to handle yourself with love and grace. Mm. I love that because when you think about the healthier aspects of seven and three, it's like your way makers, you, you see the future, mm -hmm. you pull people along, you invite people on the journey. And it's kind of like, you know, you're using those same skill sets to do the beautiful work that you're doing now. Um, it's the same personality, right? It's the same traits that can kind of get overused sometimes. You know, I can, I can say that as a seven, I'm like, when I overuse, it's like, it goes too far, you know, and I can do self-sabotaging behaviors, but the same thing can be so beautiful and positive. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so that's, I mean, that's one of the things we love about the Enneagram, right? How it can just help us just be more aware and see our box and not, continue to have to, um, be confined to it. Um, you know, we don't have to have those same, um, limitations. They can be there. And again, you know, in ways 
they can be helpful, um, again, depending on the circumstances of the situation, um, but just being able to see your box and choose to hop in it or choose mm -hmm. to stay out of it. Um, but going back to people of color, um, yes, that part, like being aware of the fact that, no, it's not always safe for you to be out of your box or um, not have your armor on. And so again, like not feeling shameful about that or guilty about that. Today's podcast is brought to you by Indeed. Is hiring a challenge? Yes. Do you love a challenge? Also, yes. But you need a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description. The moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. The thing I love most about Indeed is that it is all happening in one place. I am not going to one website to find the right people, then going to another one to interview them, and then to another to onboard my, onboard my new candidates. It's all happening in one place, and I'm not only getting the candidates that I want, but I'm getting candidates that are actually qualified for the job. If you've ever made the mistake of hiring someone who is not qualified for the job, you know the pain of training them. It is so much easier to hire someone who is smarter than you at the thing that you are hiring them to do. That is my my life lesson and work and indeed it makes that so easy. So candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to US Indeed data. Now with Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Indeed does the hard work for you. When you pay to post a job, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so that you can hire faster. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you can only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com egram. Offer good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at an Indeed.com egram. That's Indeed.com egram. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As you, you know, you're both working as therapists, right? And so in that, I'm always nervous if I'm saying therapist or counselor, like if I'm supposed, which one I'm supposed to say, or if they're interchangeable. It's confusing to everybody. Okay. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very confusing. Um, and you have different, you have psychologists and psychiatrists and 
it's just there are a lot of different names and so yes but this is a safe space don't feel Thank don't you. feel worried here <laughs> um so with so with that you're both therapists you're seeing clients like how have you found that the enneagram does impact your relationship to your clients and the work you're doing um yeah i think it impacts us personally as clinicians first. Well, one of the ways is knowing my blind spots as my type and how that even shows up in the counseling relationship. Um, and how can I grow as a type seven counselor? Um, and what is unique about that experience? And so, for example, it's probably pretty easy to guess, like I, um, will want to move out of a hard part of a conversation or a hard part of someone's journey pretty quickly. And so I really have to make sure that I like sit with the sadness with my client and let them go to that place. Um, I can reframe really easily, which is a really great therapy skill. You basically learn it like on the first day of counseling school. Um, but, um, if you overuse reframing, um, which is silver linings, if you overuse a reframe, it's kind of in validating. Um, and it, it pulls someone out of something that they don't need to be pulled out of yet. And so really like watching my reframes and watching that I'm not doing that too quickly. Um, but I think in a positive way, right. I think that, um, I, I create a space that feels very hopeful and, um, and like you said, a way, a way maker. Like I do think that I really help clients see that they can move forward, that we can go, um, that what can be, um, is really special. And I, I also love infusing a lightness to my work. Of course, we're doing heavy work. Um, we're walking through some hard journeys, but we're also making sure to giggle and to laugh and to, to have fun with it. And, um, that means a lot to me, um, when clients say that, you know, gosh, we've done so much work, we've healed so much hard stuff. And at the same time, like I enjoyed coming in, I liked laughing with you. Um, I felt like this was like a bright space. Um, and so that's really meaningful. And I think that that's how my sevenness shows up in my work. Um, so again, the positive ways that it shows up and then the ways that it can kind of get in the way, um, is something that I have to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, for sure. Amen. Everything Camille just said, um, I think that that has, so initially, like I said, my thought was, oh, this tool is great. I'm going to use it with clients. Cause it's going to help us crush these goals, which I'll tie back into, um, me as a three and as a therapist. Um, and so while that has been great, um, is really, really nice. And it does feel like, um, I'm more effective or we, um, me and my, my clients are more effective when we're able to use this tool because, um, you know, it's it, because it's what it is. It's kind of a map and helps with language, um, for clients. Oftentimes, you know, they have similar reactions, as we've talked about. So, you know, kind of aside from the initial, um, gut punch, if you're not a seven, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, being able to, um, you know, kind of feel seen or feel like there's, um, there's a, there's a, this tool that kind of gives language to an internal, um, internal experiences, um, internal processes where it's just kind of like, how is there anything out there that knows what's going on in here when, I don't always know what's going on in here. So to just be able to have something like that to use and aid us in the work that we're doing is, it's been phenomenal. Um, and so speaking to being a therapist, who's a three, it, the goals part for sure. My, that's always been very important to me um, as a clinician is like, that's one of the first things we're going to do. 
is figure out um, what your therapy goals are. And so it was like a conversation with Camille about that. Or no, it's actually one of the first Enneagram trainings I went to and I was sitting on a panel and they asked me about my threeness and how it intersects with what I do professionally. And I was talking about all of this. Um, I was putting so much pressure on myself, all of these processes I had, all of this research I was doing. Um, I was just working really, really hard to feel like I was just like the best therapist. And I'm watching the room as I'm describing this and people are like, and I'm like, oh, it's happening. I, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm doing too much. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then, yeah, later a conversation with Camille about um, goals and kind of how that works um, in the work that I do. And she's just like, wow. And I was like, okay, so maybe this is like a theme, right? Um, and then being able to realize when I am working with clients and it feels like we're kind of stuck or we're um, not making progress, I get anxious. And so now I'm able to kind of be aware of that versus before I did not know that that was what was happening. Um, you know, I think I maybe, I don't think I did. I don't think I knew that I felt like I was failing. You know, I, I did. I don't think I knew that I felt like I wasn't, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had any worth or value. I didn't have that language to describe what was going on. So that's so helpful to be aware of, um, because again, going back to, you know, realizing how we can, we need to distinguish our armor from who we are. I'm able to say, nope, you know, that's, it really has much more to do with the fact that this is therapy. And sometimes that happens where, um, you're not always making progress. Um, and that is a part of the journey and I'm able to just be less anxious about it. Um, be more present with clients through those moments. Mm. Um, do you all sometimes something I've heard a lot about is like this sense that mental health therapy and, and you all have mentioned the Enneagram is like a white person thing. Um, do you think that like, what can we do or can I do, or even, um, how do we like open the gates without, you know, like, how do we make sure that we're not like gatekeeping mental health? from people of color. Um, but cause what I'm hearing is like, you all made the space for yourself, you know? Um, and that seems like you shouldn't be alone in it, in that process. Um, sorry, I was muted and over here. Just, mm, mm, mm. I think that that's a really big question and a really tough question. And to be, um, totally transparent, I think a question that a lot of black people are tired of trying to answer, mm -hmm. yeah. um, which I think does lend to why we do, we'll just do it ourselves, um, create our own podcast, write our own book, um, create our own spaces. Um, I think, like I said earlier in the, in this conversation, at least for me, um, being able to interact with others, um, be it, um, a person who like, I love Chi Chi's language and this is very, comes from a centered experience or is in a centered place um, versus those of us who live in the margins. When that person is able to kind of acknowledge um, their privilege or how their armor can potentially be harmful, that helps me to just feel safe and being able to put mine down as well. And I think when that happens, I mean, I think that is a way of opening the gate, um, hopefully one of many, um, but like I said, I think for a lot of us, we're, we're kind of exhausted. We're trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I felt, yeah, I felt stumped by that question as well. And, and not sure 
and, and also, yeah, a little bit like, I don't know, I'm tired. Um, but I do think that when we do make our own table or when we do um, pull up our own chair, I think what folks who are centered can do is sit back or open the door or step down. Like, I think that's something that can happen. And I think, um, you know, giving airtime for centered folks to listen, um, and to learn and, and to kind of like, be like, all right, yeah, take the kind of like, take the floor, like, you know, like take the mic. Um, and I think that I think in, you know, probably for a lot of people who are centered is hard to do. Um, and for a lot of reasons, um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's, I think the hard work. And I think that what sometimes gets, gosh, this is probably too much. Um, what gets confused or just messy is, is they want to take the mic. Um, and they want to have a big way that they helped and a big way that, Mm -hmm. you know, they did something. It's like, no, actually just sit back and listen, Mm -hmm. um, and leave and create space. Um, so that you can learn and so that you can benefit um, from it. Um, and I don't think that that's a natural thing for uh, centered or dominant culture or white people um, to do. Um, so I think that's a way that it can help is just to make room for um, how can I kind of be on the wings of the stage and, and, and cheer it on um, and listen um, in a way that's just creating space. And that makes so, un- so uncentering, uncentering yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's like you, when you've been in power for so long, it's terrifying to think about not yeah. having, you know, being, having as little power as so many other people have had for centuries that yeah. like, it's, that should be a wake up call. I think yeah. of like, this yeah. is so scary because other, I know what it looks like for other people. And I don't yeah. want that for me, which is insane. But I, and I think that that's the fear is that if I step to the side that I'm going to tumble down to the bottom and it's like, no, it like, I love this quote that there's enough sky for all the birds to fly. Like there's enough, Um, isn't that beautiful? Like there's enough. And I think that we do that. We do that in so many of our worlds. We do that as women. We do that as different with different races. We do that with money. We do that with mm-hmm. access to resources. Um, but really coming at it as like, no, all of us at the table or me stepping back sometimes is not gonna make me tumble down. I'm not, it's just me leaving room for somebody else. And um, that I might actually benefit from that, that, you know, if I were, sure. center, that I might actually learn yeah. something. I think it's always <laughs> funny. Like Kim, you're like, yeah, duh. Like, um, you know, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. me and Kim were saying, you know, just how I said, like, I've been in white spaces all, you know, I remember one time I went to a movie, um, to go see Drumline <laughs> and I went with one of my, uh, white girlfriends and, um, a friend of mine. And she noticed that everybody in the theater was black because it was Drumline. Um, and she was like, Oh, I'm the only white person here. And I was like, that's our lives. Like, 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 is that a problem? Like, and she like was really uncomfortable that she, and, and mm-hmm. it made me realize, and I was back in college that like, Oh, white people are never in that position. Like mm-hmm. very rarely are white people going to a church, to a restaurant, to a movie theater, to a setting where, Oh, I'm, I'm the only one. And I'm not the one in charge here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we think about making space at the table, it's creating that to be like, Oh, I'm the one on the side. Uh, this movie isn't for me, but I like it, but I'm on, I'm, I'm just here to enjoy it too. Like, 
um, or even with the podcast. And we we've had a lot of our white friends and white colleagues, like, um, this is not for me, but I'm going to listen to it. Like, and I'm going to learn and I'm going to take it in as opposed to trying to take it over, um, and trying to make it about me. Um, but I'm going Mm -hmm. to leave room for my friends, Kim and Camille to talk about this thing. And I'm going to listen. Um, so that's, I guess, how we could, how you could answer the question, how we answer the question. That sentence, I'm going to take it in, but not take it over is, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's brilliant. Um, yeah, this like whole um, notion of freedom um, that we really like to um, project and act like we are all about in this country yet. It's like you we're missing. So going back to my confusion, like, yeah, like, don't you have to, you gotta be able to, but we don't, but you have to be able to see that. Like, it's not until like we're free that we're like, we're all free. Like it can't just be mm. um, one race or one group of people um, that that's not really, that's not really freedom. So you're saying that that's what we're doing here, but that's not what's really happening. Um, so yes, that was the part I was getting really excited about and almost... Yeah. talking with you a few moments ago, Camille. Yeah. It's almost it's, I mean, like, it's, go ahead. No, go ahead, Sergey. Uh, I was just going to say, it's almost like a fear of being impacted too. Like you were saying like that sense of, well, you might learn something if you listen, it's like, that should be a good thing. And I think it can be disempowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, that's kind of what we're dancing around here. Is this is about power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think it can feel, it can, the perception can be that there's a loss of power if I'm not the one who knows everything. So, and if I know everything, that means I can't possibly, like there can't be more for me to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely a loss of power. And I think I'm not in a white body, so I don't know this, um, but um, you know, we, but we do know as therapists that like things impact our nervous system and our bodies and things live in our body. And so I think it's really uncomfortable. Um, I think it's a somatic discomfort that white people feel and they're not used to it. And so then I think they run away from it because it gets scary. Like, oh my God, my power is being taken and it feels something in my body and I don't know what's happening. And, um, and you know, and I'm, I don't know how to have this conversation and, you know, it, it just, it like, you know, the system overloads, um, and it it just like can't compute. Um, and so I do think that when people, um, just, I guess knowing that as well, that like that is happening and how do I, I don't know, again, I'm not a, I'm not a white person, so I actually don't have any tips for that. Um, (laughs) you have to solve that one on your own, but, um, (laughs) but I do think it is, it is a, a power thing and that's a scary, I guess, experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I pretty much would like to have this conversation for another three more hours. Um, uh-huh. and we can't have, we can't, but I can ask you some rapid fire questions. Are you guys ready? Ready. Okay. Um, the first book that comes to mind, um, the Enneagram from black liberation teaching mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going, I have the wisdom of your body came to mind. Um, so by Hillary McBride. Um, okay. I love both of those. Um, a favorite song. I, um, I'm Jamaican and, um, grew up with reggae in my house. And so one of my favorite songs is no woman, no cry by Bob Marley. I'm going to go with, 
uh, I love the Wiz um, and Home. Yes. Uh, is, is, I, I have that. chills just thinking it about it. so kid. much. Yes. Thank you for bringing that to my oh, attention. Gosh, yes, I'm going to listen yes. to it after this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which one? Are you going to listen to Diana, Stephanie Mills, or? I like actually like the new little girl, the new little baby from the NBC special or something. Oh, okay. Gotcha. She did a good um, job. Also, just a plug, a lot of people don't know this, but Jasmine Sullivan, who's one of my favorite artists, sang that um, in her like middle school or elementary school play, and it's on YouTube. And if you really want to get your life, go and watch Jasmine Sullivan sing this song as a baby and tear the whole house down. You're welcome. Mm. Could you imagine if, sorry, this is a side note, but you know when you see little babies (laughs) singing like that, little children? And they can really sing. And you, I mean, could you imagine if Go in your house, this person has this coming out of their mouth, you'd be like, Jesus? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is that you, Lord? <laughs> Was that you that just did that right, Jesus? I am totally going to watch Jasmine Sullivan do that. I'm so excited for her right now. So yes, I will definitely yeah. go and uh, look at that. I love it. Um, something you wish people knew about you. Uh, um something I wish people knew about me. Uh, This is not rapid fire, is it? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know. I think, I think I'll just go with, and I think people do know this, but it's, it is really important to me that, um, yeah, that what I do is really, uh, my heart is in my, in my work. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important to me. I'm really passionate about the work that I do. I think the only thing that comes to mind, but I think, again, people know this about me is that I'm not just all fun and games, um, that there's more depth to it. Um, so, but I think people know that too. That. Um, that's nice that you both felt like, yeah, I want people to know this. And I do feel like people know this. Yeah. Yeah. Look at us. I thought about that. I was like, I guess we're living like pretty transparent lives, especially with the people in our circles. So yeah, I'm proud of us. Yeah, me too. And another plug. So our um, the episode for Type 7 drops today for our, with our podcast. And Camille, I mean, it's just speaks to the depth and which I think for a lot of sevens can kind of be missed. So um, you should definitely give that eldest in. Please do. I honestly, when I was trying to find my Enneagram type, I was listening to podcasts and I was thinking like, as a, like, that would be such a different experience. Cause I was, it was like, everybody was white. Who's talking about their mm-hmm. Enneagram type. So I'm just love that you all are doing that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, your dream day. What are you doing? Oof. Oh God. Oh, oh the sky is the limit. <laughs> are, are you ready? Here we go. All right. Give it to me. All the money, all the time, all the things in the world. We are taking a private jet. We are going to Paris for lunch, having some macarons, then I love the beach. So we are going to fly to some beach and I'm going to lay there and I'm going to have my little like beautiful, like sarong long thing that's flowing. And I have on my sunglasses and I'm getting drinks. And then we are maybe, you know, we're going to switch it up. We're going to take a boat. Now we're going to take a yacht. We're going to flip flop our way onto the dock, onto the yacht. (laughs) And we're going to sail. We are going to sail for dinner and we're going to have the sunset. And then we are going to dock and we're going to sleep in a beautiful hotel with beautiful linens and a bathtub. And I'm going to be in a robe 
and oh my god, I'm going to wake up the next morning and have brunch. So something just Don't really casual and low key. <laughs> Don't ask a seven that question. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen anyone activate so quickly. Like you just. <laughs> Boom. It was there. Ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can so I'm going to do it. Like, this is going to be great. Right. <laughs> so initially I'm thinking, oh, so what I saw was the beach and a good book, but I just listened to all that. So I got to do like, that can't be. So I'm just going to add that I'm on the beach with the good book. Um, talking about life with Beyonce. Oh, yes. Yeah. Y'all, mine was like, go re- watch a movie, but my- <laughs> I really like, I learned something here today. <laughs> um, your final meal, what are you eating? Ooh. Also a question I have thought about. Oh, I've got the answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> Already ready. Um, I want, um, I love crab cakes. So I'm going to have crab cakes for appetizer. Then I'm going to have, there's a special soup that I love. Um, It's like this corn. It has this other word. I love it. It's like this corn, beautiful. It's like a fancy soup word. Then I'm going to have, I love a surf and turf. So I'm having a, um, okay, I'm going to get really, I'm going to get a little bit, a little bit bougie. I'm going to, I want the Chateaubriand. We're getting bougie now. (laughs) (laughs) The yacht wasn't, the yacht wasn't even like touching the surface. (laughs) Oh, now, yeah, we're now going to get, <laughs> I'm going to have my shot. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Paris, the jet, private jet, all this stuff. None of that was, that was just, you know. That was just child's play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then we're going to have some lobster tails. And then for dessert, uh, you know what? I'm actually going to bring it on back. I just want the Fleming's chocolate lava cake that takes 20 minutes for them to make. And it's really hot. has the ice cream. It melts. Oh my God. I love it. It's basically the elevated chilies version. I would, I would get the chilies version too. I really do love that. Um, so one of those hot cake, hot chocolate cake melts open with ice cream on top. Mm. You're welcome to drink wine, obviously wine, a beautiful bottle of red wine. Actually, we're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to start with champagne and then we're going to move into the red and then we're going to do a nice, uh, port to go with my molten cake mm. i just want what okay. she had just give me i know yeah. i'll have what she's having <laughs> same i'm like are we can i go on vacation with you and yeah. like, y'all's dinner is gonna be nice tonight <laughs> <laughs> um okay so yes, it is. <laughs> some food for thought so anything that you something that you want people to walk away thinking about today i think that i really love that i that i thought of that quote that there's enough sky for all the birds to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to sit with me today to remind me of that. And I, I would love to leave people with that idea that there's enough sky for all the birds to fly. Mm-hmm. I love that too. Um, I think just some of the conversations we were just having about power and, and for all of us, just being aware of um, this notion that it's finite, that it's something that we'll run out of, or just going back to Camille, what you were saying, just generally, you know, how all of us can kind of grapple with um, not feeling like there's enough um, and just challenging us to all like be reflective about that and aware of that. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, kind of tying into what Camille said, remembering that there's enough sky for all of us and the birds to fly. And um, how can we keep in touch? Where should we hang out with you online? Yeah. So we are at Enneagram for the Culture on Instagram. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at K Reese, R E E S E, L C S W. 
And you can find me on Instagram at camille.logan.lcmhc. Um, and we also have a website, um, Enneagram for the Culture, if you want to check us out there as well. And we'll link everything down in the show notes for you all so you can easily find them and hang out because, um, yeah, I know you're going to want to. And maybe maybe if we become close friends, we'll go on, we'll go on vacation together. Don't tease me. <laughs> you know I will go. <laughs> I love it. I know you would come and Kim would be right there with Kim would be ordering Kim would be ordering more bottles of champagne. She'd be like, we need more. This is great. We have worked hard. We are allowed to play now. I have crushed my goals and this is what I want to have. One of my one of my good friends is a three as well. And the bougie, the level of bougie that we can do together Mm -hmm. is just sevens and threes on vacation. Love it. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, or dinner. You want an appetizer? Let's get the appetizer. You want dessert? Let's get the dessert. Let's do it. <laughs> so excited for DC. So excited for dinner tonight. And yes, definitely excited for, I already have a, um, a digit going for a yacht trip. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Well, I can't wait to see you all on the yacht. And yes. <laughs> you're going to see us and be like, wow, they really made it. They, um, dreams I mean, we true. really are. We really will. Yeah. I don't, I don't doubt it at all. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all for hanging out with me and making time for this. Thanks for having us. We love to. This was great. It's been so fun connecting with so many people. And um, we, I've, I've been following your work. And um, I think you might have been one of the first Enneagram Instagram accounts that I followed. Um, and I think that you do such a great job and you're spot on about things. I love that you're a seven because I do think sometimes sevens, you know, we get painted as puppy dogs. Um, but, um, as, yeah, as golden retrievers, um, but I really, like, that. um, but I like that you kind of bring, um, some of that light to it, but you do such a great job and thank you for that. And I specifically um, remember, I just want to shout this out too. I specifically remember, um, your posts in general, um, in June, 2020, um, around anti-racist work and how, um, white people can check themselves and their number and how they can approach anti-racism work. Um, and I just remember thinking that was really cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Take the compliment. <laughs> you don't have to say thank you. You don't have to say that, but thank you. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for yes, you. questions you asked and the conversation and just sharing space. Well, um, thank you. And I'll see y'all on the yacht. Okay. Yes. We'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.